1: Today's
3: episode of the Believe in Steelers show is brought to you by betonline.ag. Week two, the NFL season is almost in the books. We've got two Monday night games tonight. But if you want to place a bet on any of the NFL action all season long, betonline.ag is the place to do it.
2: 365, 7 regardless of what kind of bet you want to make, just make sure y'all go to betonline.ag.
3: Head to the website today, use your mobile device to make your first sports bet. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's bleav A V five zero to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers show on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mark Berg, and joined, as always, by my guy, two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, number 24, Ike Taylor. I.T., I'm licking my wounds a little bit this morning because I feel like the Steelers let one get away against the Patriots. They were like one or two plays away, come up just short, 17-14, to 14, home opener. It's Monday morning. How are you doing this morning, my man? Good, yeah, Mark. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing okay. I, I, I was a little bit, I don't know. Like it was just, it's kind of a boring game to watch. It was a defensive battle. Points were a premium. And I just feel like the one silver lining is everyone else in the AFC North lost, but I'm sitting here this morning saying the Steelers should be in first place in the division.
2: Yeah. It's uh to me, that was a beautiful game. I like them low scoring games, you know, for the fantasy owners, uh, which is myself, uh, for the new generation, what we like, we like a lot of points. We like the offense having splash plays. But for me, that game was so beautiful. It was a game of attrition. It was a game of who was going to make a play or the big play. And that's what the New, new England Patriots wound up doing to get them a
3: W. Yeah, I. it really came down to two plays for me. It was, everyone's going to point to Gunnar Osheskis dropped punt. Patriots take advantage, go down and score a touchdown with the improved field position. Just two plays before that, too, Cam Sutton had what looked like a for-sure interception, and he dropped it. And Steelers' defense got off the field. They forced the punt, but you got to take advantage of the opportunities, especially in a game where points were a premium. Going into the game, Mike, the over-under was 40.5 points. So you knew scoring was going to be hard to come by and really – when the Patriots got the ball back off the muff punt, they took advantage.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what they did. But you got to give, <clears throat> you know, uh, I'm gonna give Nelson Aguilar his props because when you needed a receiver yeah. to make play uh, late in the game, um, that's exactly what he did over Weatherspoon. So that that kind of that kind of put them over the hump. So say kind of light, little little flare for the New England Patriots. Uh, And on our side, our men in the Pittsburgh Steelers, we didn't have any splash plays. You know what I'm saying? So that's what Coach always talk about. Coach Tom always talk about splash plays. But usually when he talks about it, he talks about it on the defensive side. And, yes, Cam did drop the interception. That would have gave the Pittsburgh Steelers – me, Cam Sutton, I'm sorry, did uh, drop that interception. Would have gave the Pittsburgh Steelers another possession, another opportunity. But, you know, the England came in, did what they needed to do. Uh, Pittsburgh – Didn't have enough splash plays, Mark, so say. You know, Najee, we knew it was going to get from Najee. As far as, like, from the receiving core from the Pittsburgh Steelers, they just didn't make enough plays for this game to put the Pittsburgh Steelers in a position to
3: win it. Coach Tomlin said the same thing in his news conference after the game, Mike, in terms of the splash plays. Uh, Separate from this show this season, we will have your Taylor Talk segment One of the splash plays for the Steelers was that interception by Minka Fitzpatrick. So go on and check that video out again. We're doing that separately from the video because we have the rights to use the NFL plus footage, but just have to make sure that we're abiding by those restrictions. I want to go back to the Aguilar play, though, because this is a play I broke down on my YouTube channel. High-pointing the football and the importance of high-pointing the football. Catch the ball at its highest point. Witherspoon was actually in terrific position. Aguilar just went up and went to go get it. And that was really the key differentiator in that play. And it helped the Patriots get the lead before the end of the first half.
2: Yeah, we always talk about uh, small receivers. When I mean small, I mean as in height receivers who play tall. And we usually expect tall receivers to play even taller. And that's exactly what Nelson Aguilar did on that play. He played like a tall receiver. He played six-fold. So when you do that, when you're high-pointing the ball, Uh, you're able to put not only yourself, but your team in a good position. You're able to make splash plays. You know, I I played against a few receivers where all they did was high point the ball, you know. So Randy Moss really wasn't a jumper. You know, Randy just run past you (laughs) and have you redlining your hamstrings and you thought your hamstrings was going to tear off the ball. But other than that, man, you you can name guys like a Brandon Marshall, at one point in time, who was who was in his prime, he used to high point the ball a lot. Wasn't going to run past you, but you knew if any one of his quarterbacks threw the ball in his area code, he was going to catch it because he was just good at high point the ball. Even Antonio Brown, Coach T, I remember Coach T Challenges, A.B. Antonio Brown, going, okay, we know you're probably one of the best route runners, the best toe tappers when they come down to the sideline, but... We need you to play big. And at one point in time, that's what A.B. started doing. A.B. started to play like a receiver who was 6'4". He started high-pointing the ball. So that means a lot. You can look at the game against the Baltimore Ravens. Waddle, the touchdown from two to of the Waddle. Yep. You know, what, what did he do? He went up, he high-pointed the ball. So it just gives you a lot, a high percentage on coming down and making plays. That's something the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't do as a whole when it came down to that receiving court. That's something
3: Aguilar did when it came down to making that play. Like you're a poet. You are an absolute poet. Redlining the, red the hamstrings—that's gonna fall off the bone. It's you're talking about your hamstring as if it's like a like a chicken wing.
2: It is, man. That hamstring, like the belt, like that injured belt. You know that injured belt get rusted. The injured belt gonna pop off. That's exactly what that <laughs> ham is, man. That hamstring. When you get somebody, a Tyreek Hill who's a wildo, and you're trying to chase him, you're actually okay. doing something body isn't used to it that's going faster than what it usually doesn't do so yeah exactly man when I say putting in a hamstring and running that hamstring off the bone, that's exactly what happens
3: when people ask me uh, this is why this is one of my favorite things to do each week because you make me think about things a little bit differently uh let me bring this back to the Steelers Patriots game <laughs> from Sunday uh, a few right. other observations I had uh It's clear the offense needs to improve. I thought the defense played well enough to win because in most games, if you only allow 17 points, you should go on and win the football game. So offense has got to get better. Uh, I thought Najee Harris looked healthy. And if you need evidence of that, I know he keeps saying I'm good. He's probably not 100%, but the play where he caught the ball to the backfield threw a Patriots defender to the ground, a mean stiff arm, And then he leaped over another defender. So it's like, I think Najee's good. I think he's good to go if he's capable of doing that. And then really the last thing that I noticed from this game was the pass rush wasn't quite there. You knew it wasn't going to be quite as strong without TJ Watt, but zero sacks on Mac Jones. And again, 17 points overall. I think the defense did a nice job, but there were times where it was like, eh, Jones has got too much time to throw. He's got too much time to throw. He's got too much time to throw. Steelers now... 0-5 Oh, and 5 without Watt when Watt is not healthy, but that's what I noticed from Sunday.
2: Yeah, it's just tough to replace a TJ Watt. You know, league's defensive MVP uh, was on the verge last year of breaking, uh, breaking the sack record. It's, it's just hard to replace that. I mean, in one game, he gets a sack, a interception and a few pass and a few all oh, quarterback hurries when they play and when they beat the Cincinnati Bengals. So, it's just tough to replace a guy like that, Mark. So you try to do it as a whole and collectively, and they did. Uh, you you just you just said it best when you hold the team, an NFL team, to seventeen points. You're thinking you're walking out of that stadium with the with the win,
3: but Pittsburgh didn't. All right, Ike, this is what everyone's going to be talking about this week in Pittsburgh: is how soon should the Steelers start Kenny Pickett? Because I don't know if you heard this during Sunday's broadcast. I could hear in the third quarter at one point. The fans at Akersher Stadium, home opener, Channing, Kenny, Kenny. The thing Here's where I'd go to is, you know, would he make a difference? But I want to go back to this, and this is going to be something we'll talk about all season long, Ike, is how soon should the Steelers start Kenny Pickett? Because however you want to grade Trubisky, I think through the first two games, it just hasn't been enough. I don't know what letter grade I would give him, but it hasn't been good enough. That's not all on him. I think that's on the line. I think that's on the skill position players. I think that's on the offensive coordinator. But how soon should the Steelers start Kenny Pickett? Act? Because this is something we're going to be talking about here as the offense continues to struggle.
2: Good question, Mark. But just my personal opinion, and this is coming from me, mm-hmm. they're just looking at how the division is going to see what they're going to do with the, with, with the quarterback and Kenny Pickett situation. So everybody lost last week or this week in the AFC North. And as long as they feel like they have an opportunity to win the AFC North or put themselves in position when it comes down to making the playoffs, that's when you'll see the, the 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 decision
3: being made. Do we keep Mitch Trubisky on the field or do we ride with the young one? And that's Kenny Pickett. Like I always said, it's that matchup against the Saints following the bye week on November the 13th is where I have it circled on my calendar is – not to say it's for sure going to happen there, but that's kind sure. of what I'm looking at. And you of the division. I look at the first six games of the season where the Steelers are underdogs in five of their first six games of the regular season. We said this from the, from the jump going into this year, if the Steelers go 500 or better in those first six, cause it's, it's a brutal six game stretch. Right. The back right. half of the schedule gets a lot easier. So yeah, you probably let one get away against the Patriots. At the same time, I don't think many people expected the Steelers to win in week one against the Bengals. So that's kind of where I land with this. I'll say this again. I go back to whatever grade you would give Trubisky. It just wow. hasn't been good enough. And I don't think that's all on Trubisky, though, either. It's the offense overall. And it goes back to it's as simple as this. And, and I feel like I'm a broken record. And I just want to say this one more time. We can move on. If your defense only lost 17 points in a football game in the NFL in 2022, you should win that game. And it's it's that simple, like.
2: Yeah, it it is. It's 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 simple to say, but it's 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 hard to do, Mark. Uh, one thing we talked about with the Pittsburgh still is kind of lacked at a area was the offensive line. And that's be, that's beginning to become very clear. Uh but we do like Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett because they are mobile enough to help the offensive line and make plays with their legs. So, yeah, we shall see. I just think my personal opinion, how they would look at it, if they wanted to play Kitty Pickett, was to see what the rest of the division looks like and see where they're at and see where, they're stand, where they stand in the division as far as like, okay, we should pull the trigger and put and play Kitty Pickett. But um, this might be the game to come back to haunt them. Uh, we'll talk about this in about 10 mm. weeks. The AFC Divisional game. You know, and you said it best. They they first six games are a tough sled, but I'm just excited, and I'm looking at just how the AFC North is looking. I still like Pittsburgh in a lot of situations, you know? Yeah. So I, they, they, always, they always play the Baltimore Ravens good, even though Lamar, I got Lamar Jackson winning the league's uh, offensive MVP. Pittsburgh always find a way to hold him and, and keep him in check. Uh, Cincinnati last year, they became one of the, you know, the comeback kids, that was a good story for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think now since Pence, since Pittsburgh beat them already once, we'll see the second time in Cleveland. You know, Cleveland, we just got to see if Pittsburgh is able to stop the run. You know, that's exactly what the Cleveland Browns are. They like to give it to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, so we shall see. But as far as like liking Pittsburgh over a lot of, of the AFC North teams, I like Pittsburgh still.
3: Yeah, I, we're going to talk about the AFC North teams here in just a second. Even if you're the biggest Pickett fan in the world, though, on the shortened week, because you got to play Thursday night in Cleveland Divisional game, even if you were Kenny Pickett's biggest fan, to say, oh, let's start him week three, and that's this isn't going to happen. But you roll with Mitch for at least another game, and we always say evaluate by quarters, see where you're at after four games. But even if you're the biggest fan of Kenny Pickett, on a shortened week, it's still going to be Mitch Trubisky, the starter on Thursday night, as it should be. Now, one thing I would like to see the Steelers do offensively, we, lo- we saw what George Pickens could do in the preseason. Let's get him involved a little bit. He only had one catch for 23 yards, three targets on Sunday against the Patriots. I'd like to see the Steelers incorporate him into the mix offensively because I think he could be a, a playmaker, a difference maker on that offensive side of the football.
2: It will this week. This week moving forward, um, I think Coach T and staff, I think they're gonna come as a whole, and be like, you know what, we gotta give Fourteen the ball. We have to, cause he's definitely uh probably our best athlete on the field when it comes down to the offensive side. So we just gotta find ways. You know, I'm sure Coach T gonna go to Coach Matt Cannon and be like, look, I don't care which way, I don't care how, but let's find some more opportunities, let's give some more targets to number fourteen.
3: All right, Ike, let's go around the NFL and we're gonna keep it in the AFC North to start. Browns blew a 13 point lead in the final one minute and twenty-two seconds, lose to the Jets in the Joe Flacco revenge game. The the Jets win thirty-one to thirty. The NFL had won. NFL teams had won the last two thousand two hundred and twenty-nine consecutive games when leading by at least thirteen points in the final two minutes. I don't know what happened with the Browns game. Easier said than done to say Chubb should have gone down because they were in the red zone. But, man, the Browns should not have lost Sunday to the Jets. The Jets come back and win. Uh, and that might have not have been the craziest game on Sunday. It was a weird Sunday in week two of the NFL season. I remember Coach Ball used to say, "I always find a way.
2: You know, the, the game doesn't end until it's 4-0 sitting on the clock. You know, as long as the clock is ticking, we all got opportunity. And that's exactly how the New York Jets was thinking. You know, as long as we got some kind of time on the clock, man, we can find a way to win this game. And that's just what it was. You know, uh, the Cleveland Browns found a way to lose it, and the New York Jets found a way to win it. You know, so Joe Flacco, he's just used to the AFC. He's used to the AFC North. So nothing really gets to Flacco say unless you put a lot of pressure on him consistently. So for... You know the New York Jets to to have a hostile environment, and Flacco not being as mobile as he once was to come out with the W and put up 31 points is very impressive. Because when you just look at on paper, who has a good defense and offer names and offer Pro Bowlers and offer first rounders, you think for sure the 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 Cleveland Browns defense would have been more
3: stout than what they was. I'm with you there, Ike, and we're still like three weeks away from a full moon. But Correct. this was how rare Sunday was. I'm going to give you a stat here that it blew my mind. The last time the Lions, the Jets, and the Jags won on the same day, December 11th, 2011. Ike, you were still playing in the league. I-
2: well, I was, that was a while ago. You know, to tell you what, what that was for me? That was 11 years ago. Yep. I was way, I was way more handsome 11 years ago when it came down to that. So, <laughs> yeah, time time does fly. That was a long time, but yeah, um, the teams you just named—I'm sure they—they they, a lot of a lot of people had them in the losing bracket, but they found the way to win. What was interesting to me was seeing the score for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was yeah. like, oh, oh. you know what I'm saying? But you know, they they find it—they finding it a way to win. You know, that's another team that got a lot of first rounders on their roster as well. And that's because of the records they've been having for the past, you know, nine to ten years. So we shall see. But it was for me. It was. It was a, it, it was a weird uh, overtimeish Sunday. You know, uh, the Kyler Murray situation. Mm-hmm. Him scrambling for for eighty four yards to to run a from sideline to sideline to run ten yards was very impressive mm-hmm. to me. Him just sitting back there, you know, reading the whole three hundred and fifty page book. Before he wind up, <laughs> uh, it was it was cool, man. Football is back. I was talking to Miss Courtney. Shout out to Miss Courtney, uh, one of the head people from Brinks TV. I, me and Miss Courtney was talking before you came on. It was like America is just different when it's football season. You know, it, it's very vi- vibrant. So that's that's what it that's what it was. But you know, football. I can sit and watch football all day, but it was uh, something different
3: on Sunday this weekend yeah I, that kyler murray scramble was how i used to play madden as a kid correct correct yeah yeah um we can take this in several different directions here uh ravens end up losing to the dolphins and two finally went off six touchdowns didn't play that well in the first half had two picks but i'll tell you what that one two combo of tyree kill and Jalen waddle don't forget Waddle and Tua, college teammates at Alabama. So you see that connection. But those two guys on the outside for the Dolphins are going to be a problem for the rest of the league because you can double team and maybe shut down one, but then you got another guy across the field who's equally as effective.
2: Just get them the ball. And we get them the ball ASAP. That's exactly what the OC is doing for the the Miami Dolphins. You know, when you looked at that first half and – the Baltimore Ravens going into the second half, the beginning of the second half, man, I was looking at the score. I said, oh, man, this is about to be a day for the Miami Dolphins. Like, Baltimore defense is balling. And they just start giving uh, Cheetah and Waddle the ball, but they start giving it to them ASAP, start running these slants, start running these wide receiver screens, and just say, man, let that V12 engine do what that V12 engine do. And they wind up coming back. You know, both of them boys had over 150 yards when it came down to receiving. I think Wilder had two titties when it came down to that. So it tour through for six touchdowns. You know, he's like one of the six people who get who threw for six touchdowns in in, in in years, six touchdowns, two interceptions. So it's always, man, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And for them to come back on the defense, because I love the Baltimore Ravens defense, for the Miami Dolphins to come back on a defense like that says a lot. For Tua to erase his first half and a bounce back in the second half, says a lot about Tua as well.
3: I'm not going to buy my Tua stock quite yet. I want to see him do it again, but it's promising if you're a Dolphins fan. And then Waddle, who in my opinion, has the best touchdown celebration because I love to see him do that with his teammates, the Waddle in the end zone, but I love seeing when they cut away to the fans doing the same thing in the stands. It just warms my heart. Yeah, that
2: penguin that penguin waddle that's what they that's what they got them doing yeah so that's 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 real cool but yeah man i mean if you look at the offseason they said uh with the miami dolphins when when tariq hill wanted to get traded head coach is like let's trade everything i don't care what we trade and they understood the the weaknesses of tour okay well let's let's just build on his strength how you build on the strength we're about to give him Two Bugatti's on the outside, and we're going to get the ball in their hands as many times as possible,
3: and that's exactly what the Miami Dolphins did. I'm just here for the Ike Taylor car references. Uh, Ike, the Bengals losing to the Cowboys. I tell you what, everyone thought that the Bengals weren't going to have that Super Bowl hangover. They have four new starting offensive linemen this year. They bring in Lyle Collins from the Cowboys, Alex Kappa. Joe Burrow sacked 13 times for the the first two weeks of the season, had seven in week one against the Steelers, six more against the Cowboys. And I know the Cowboys have a guy by the name of Micah Parsons, who's pretty good off the edge. But I'm concerned because it's just like they're going to get Joe Burrow killed when He gets sacked in the regular season, the league guy, 51 times a season ago. When the year before, his rookie year, he goes out with an ACL injury. And it's just like, I thought this was the problem that the Bengals were going to address this offseason. And I think it shows you one thing, Ike. You can bring in Pro Bowl caliber players, all pro caliber players. But the continuity of learning to play with your teammates, I think that is something that is... On display here with this Bengals offensive line, maybe they'll get better as the weeks go along and they develop that continuity. But through the first two weeks of the season, Burrow taking 13 sacks. The Bengals starting out 0-2 I don't think is anything anyone expected. I still think that they could turn things around given how potent their offense is. But I I would be very concerned if I were a Bengals fan.
2: Yeah, I guess they got the wrong address because they haven't been addressing nothing. We thought in the offseason they addressed, they addressed the offensive line, but obviously the offensive line isn't clicking like how it should. Or you can look at it like this, Mark. Mm-hmm. You can look at it like they're jugging juggernaut offense, meaning they like big plays. And when you like the big splash plays all the time, the quarterback has to either have a five-step drop or a seven-step drop, and it puts them in home's way. So either you go big or you go home, that's just – based on the offense. What they're going to have to start doing now is just getting the ball in T. Higgins and, and Boyd and Chase hands and just kind of taking what Miami is doing with Waddle and Cheetah, getting the ball in our playmaker's hands ASAP. Let's take some of the pressure off the offensive line and and let's not get our quarterback hit 13 times, me sacked 13 times in two games. So they, I think they will have to mix a little bit more of that into it instead of always looking for that big play. And that's what I think the problem is for the. For the Cincinnati Bengals, man, they just they just always looking for the big play. You got to pick and choose when you want to have a big play. It kind of have to be on the rhythm. You know, you got to get a feel for the game. So once once the Cincinnati Bengals incorporate that into their system, they'll be fine. But if they don't, you know, um, hate to say it, but, you know,
3: Joe Burrow won't be lasting long if they just always, always wants that big play. That comes from 12 years of NFL experience, Ike, and this is where I'm going to flex your credentials because you've seen it all in the league. I could go through, in the offseason, we should do this, of all the receivers you went up against, but that comes from 12 years of experience, Ike, to where you've gone against the best of the best in the league. So this is where I'm going to flex your credentials when you make that statement. It makes heck of a lot of sense to me in terms of, let's get the ball out of Burrow's hands and keep our prize possession healthy because i think we're still all in on joe burrow being one of the nfl's best quarterbacks but you got to keep him healthy and you got to keep him upright and maybe some of this is on burrow too to where if he wants to take all the time in the world to get that big play or say hey you know sometimes you got to live to see another down and sometimes you know you want the check down to where you know you make it a third and a manageable instead of Wanting the home run play on every single play, but something's got to get right. And through two weeks, like I said, I don't think anyone expected the, the Bengals to be 0 2 to start this season.
2: Yeah, especially going into Dallas and you got Cooper, Cooper Rush, you know, as a quarterback. Nobody probably would have thought that, especially
3: no,
2: no. uh, the back out. Especially how the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Cincinnati Bengals. You thought for sure the Cincinnati Bengals would come out with the hell on fire but you got to give a huge shout out to the Dallas Cowboys as well. The Dallas Cowboys defense, especially that front, that front folk, uh, Michael Parson, uh, we've been saying he's been special. I've been liking him since the Penn state days and he has been doing nothing but proving me right. <laughs> That's all he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when it comes down to that and that Dallas defense, they did exactly what they need to do to get the Joe Burrow, um, uh, to have hurries and to sack him as well. It's just Joe and company. Now they have to find a way, uh, or or simmer down a little bit on the big plays
3: all the time. All right, a few more observations to get through, and we can wrap a few more. Okay. Trey Lance likely out for the season. You never like to see the cart come out, and that to me is right. like, oh, man, this is a serious injury. The 49ers, though, hanging on to Jimmy G. He's been like the NFL's best backup quarterback, and I credit the 49ers to say we're going to keep yep. him around in case the worst happens. Because if you don't get a fair return for a trade, they would have gotten rid of Jimmy G. I looked up who the 49ers' other quarterbacks are. Brock Purdy, who's in his first season, quarterback out of Iowa State, Nate Sudfield. You'd much rather have Jimmy G because even despite Jimmy G's limitations, and they go to the NSC Championship game a year ago, he was, remember, he was playing hurt with a shoulder injury all last season. And if not for an overthrow in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, I like, We might think about Jimmy G a whole lot different than we do now. And they hang on to Jimmy G and look, 49ers are sitting pretty. I want to say one other thing too. I can, I want to make sure I bring this up because someone's going to say it today on Monday, hindsight's 2020 to say, why weren't the 49ers trying to protect Lance? Why are they running the ball? If that's an element of his game, in the modern NFL in 2022, if you have a quarterback with wheels, you have to keep defenses honest and force them to play 11-on-11. 11 11. So I'm not even going to go there and criticize the 49ers to say, oh, well, they shouldn't have been running the football because that's an element of Trey Lance's game. But 49ers are still in decent shape because they've got Jimmy G who can now step in and we'll see how far he can take this 49ers team.
2: Yeah, I mean, the 49ers, you know what they want to do? They want to play smash, smash Mall football. And Jimmy G, he's just one of the guys. You know, you can tell by the energy. You can tell by the chest around throws he makes. You can tell by the first down they pick up, what everybody doing when it comes down to Jimmy G. They high five and they chest bumping, and they smiling. And that's been a good thing. That's been a good trait of Jimmy G, man. Jimmy G has always been one of the boys. You know, it's hard for the quarterback. You know, quarterbacks, they got to walk a little different. They got to talk a little different because they're the CEOs. It's a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks. But when you just one of the guys and you wanted one of the boys, man, you understand the playoffs. You understand of, of, of getting to the Super Bowls. You understand of being behind the Tom Brady's. You just take on some of them, them characteristic, characteristics. And that's exactly what Jimmy G has done. And you give him a good defense, and you give him Wilson Jr. sitting in the backfield. Kiddos haven't been playing yet, so he's coming back. You got use check. You just got a variety. You got Debo Samuels, a, a He's becoming his own when it comes down to the wide receiver position. So, yeah, he he has guys. You know, this is a tough team. They're even tougher with Jimmy G. You know, and you want to talk about a heck of an insurance policy on keeping Jimmy G and, and, and deducting some of his salary, but keeping him because just in case, that was the best move in off offseason uh, a team could have done. Um, I think the San Francisco 49ers was very smart. On doing that, but just looking at the sideline and seeing how guys celebrate, they feel like they always have a chance and always have hope with Jimmy G on the field. Uh when it comes down to making business decisions and we're gonna start Trey over Jimmy as a football player. When you're on the field, you just gotta roll with the punches and you gotta, you know, you gotta do what's best for your team and your teammates. They had to ride with Trey, but uh Trey wound up breaking his ankle. I think they say he out for the season. But uh Jimmy G, man the best chance the 49ers I thought always
3: had was Jimmy G. Wow. Wow. And I I would say this, Ike, I would probably not that far, but I would say definitely, in my opinion, the NFL's best backup. If, you know, God forbid the worst happens. And that happens Sunday with Trey Lance. And I'm telling you right now, someone's going to say it is, why were the 49ers running him in this way? I'm sorry, like go back to the 1990s if that's your notion because gone are the days of your traditional in-the-pocket right. classic big quarterback. If you have a quarterback that can move a little bit, and I'm not expecting every quarterback to be Lamar right. Jackson, right. but you keep a defense honest. So I- I'm not even going to go there. Someone's going to say it today. I'm just telling you this right now. But in my opinion, that's just a it's just stupid thinking because – Could happen to any player at any given play. So I'll leave it at that. Ike final thought I had from Sunday's action. Seen it before. We'll see it again. Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers, just owning my beloved Chicago Bears yet again Sunday night football. And it's just the same narrative. Like I guess my only request is like, let's put this at a one PM Eastern kickoff time. I don't need to see this in prime time for the world to see, but uh, the Bears hung early on. I think the Packers are a heck of a lot more talented than the Bears, but, oh, man, it's just rinse and repeat. Aaron Rodgers, Greed Bay, just owning Chicago. And uh, we saw that yet again on Sunday night. And I'll tell you what, too. There's two running backs the Packers have, Dylan and Aaron Jones, a scary combination. Like, good luck tackling those guys because they were, they were everywhere on Sunday night. Well, Aaron Jones was in his own. You know, when you want to talk about a slippery running back,
2: that's Aaron Jones. When you want to talk about making moves in the phone booth, that's Aaron Jones. When you want to talk about running hard, despite his size, Aaron Jones runs like he's 250, like he's Corey Dillon. You know, Corey Dillon is a is a is a is a pretty big human being when it comes down to the running back. And he does run hard. But if you just watched that game last night, man, I've always been a fan of Aaron Jones. You know, Aaron Jones yep. is not the- big and stature, but he runs big and he has a big character. So he was the hot head last night. Now, when it came down to closing down the game, let's put that big baby back there in Corey Dillon. Let's just let him run over people, get them tough yards. And that's exactly what uh, the Green Bay Packers did. But just, just for V-Mark, the Chicago Bears had the opportunity. They just didn't capitalize on any of their opportunities. The defense played lights out for the most part. When it comes down to Justin Fields, he has to find a way. Instead of scrambling and running backwards, he got to start scrambling and running forward. It's a few times where there was like in, in, in second and threes, or second and fives, he wind up scrambling. Now it's third and 13. So you always put your offensive coordinator in a bad position on play calling because the defense, that's a win. That's a high opportunity for the defense to win. So we shall see. at the same time, they got to wind up finding a, a, big, a big deep play Wide receiver as well. When it came down to Tom Montgomery co- Company with that running game, they got a running game going. Yep. You know, let's not let's not discredit that. So
3: they just got to find exactly how they need to use Justin Fields. I'm with you there, and get him some help with the skill position players because they got Mooney, but other than that, it's just like it. It's a young team. There, it's an unproven team, and I think Fields has shown flashes. I like, am with you there, but. Yep. He can't throw the ball to himself is essentially right. what I'm trying to say. And right. uh, I do think that they had their chances last night there, uh, as well. I'm with you in the running game. Yeah. The running game looked great. I thought for the bears, they got away from that a little bit, but also to have fields throw the ball only 11 times in that game. Like we got to take the training wheels off. It's year two. Yep. And we got to see what he can do. I'm not saying that he's going to win a shootout with Aaron Rodgers, but you know, what's the recipe to actually win a football game and i just think that they're still they're still a ways away from green bay but i you're the absolute best uh i want to thank you i want to thank the believe network our video producers over at brinks tv led by john brinkus courtney vargas herbert diaz producer yinsi and producer megan as well uh i today's sponsor of the believe in Steelers show betonline.ag i want to thank the listeners and the viewers for Tuning in and watching the Believe in Steelers show. And make sure you check out our Taylor Talk video that will be separate from today's show. But go on and check that out. We're going to be breaking down Micah Fitzpatrick's interception of Patriots quarterback Mac Jones.
2: Yeah, big shout out to BetOnline.ag for Sports Night Show. Big shout out to Believe in Podcast. Huge shout out to Bricks TV, Miss Courtney Hustell. Got to give a big shout out to my dog, Mark Bergen. Make sure y'all give us a, a five star, five piece. That's how we like to say it. Uh, keep tuning in. We love, the, we love the viewers. We love the comments. Uh, make sure you sus- subscribe as well. Keep tuning in
3: to the Ike Taylor and the Mark Bergen Show. All we do is be very insightful, entertaining, and having fun. For I. Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for watching the Believe in Steelers show. We'll be back on Wednesday to preview Thursday night's matchup Steelers and Browns. Until then, take care and so long, everybody. Peace.